Hello and welcome to this week's episode of That One Time I Dated a Mormon. I hope that you are well. Um, I hope that you've had a good week and have maybe got something planned for Halloween or whatever it is that you'll be doing. Um, I just want to say thank you to um, some people who messaged in last week and um, just thought that it was funny that I did the entire episode from on an exercise bike and also um, contacted me with some of their own experiences and questions and suggestions as well about fibromyalgia, which was really helpful. I'm going to talk more about that um, later on in today's episode as just a follow-up from um, some treatment I had this week, some physiotherapy that I went through and some of the suggestions and things that I was given by my physiotherapist. Um, and I know fibromyalgia one of the things is that it can ebb and flow it can come and go it can be really bad for a little bit and then um things can bring it on whether that's tiredness stress whatever um and this week i'll be honest with you has been really really bad for it really bad um and i don't know whether that's maybe i'm just more conscious of it now that um, I'm getting treatment for it and I've had the diagnosis of it that I'm just more aware of the kind of the aches and pains that have always been there. Um, it's not a progressive disease, but it feels at times like it's getting worse. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that. Um, but yeah, this week's been really, really bad for it. I'll be honest. But anyway, I'll talk more about that a little bit later. Um, I just want to um, reference one person who did, for some reason, I don't understand why people do this, took the time to contact me and say that they enjoyed the fact that it was on an exercise bike because the sound of it nearly was loud enough to um, mean they couldn't hear my voice. So I don't really understand why you're listening then if you find me so irritating, but there we go. Um, I suppose it's the same as anyone taking the time to send anyone something negative online. Um, they seem to take the time to do that when it would be much easier for everyone to just ignore the person that you find irritating but anyway um i'm not sure if you've seen in the news this week um the uh, controversy not really controversy um about uh, comedian trevor noah and what he um said about the appointment of rishi sunak as prime minister so he basically said in part of like a stand-up set that um yeah, a lot of i'm paraphrasing here you can read more about it online um that you know it, um it would kind of show the racist section of the uk people who weren't happy that rishi sunak became prime minister because of his race obviously um and there's been lots of people online as well claiming that he shouldn't be prime minister because he's not british even though he is um anyway and you know trevor Noah is part of a stand-up act and i think like when um, obama became president of america you know, racism didn't just stop because there was a black president. Racism isn't going to stop because we have um, our first prime minister who's not white. Um, and I think that it will, unfortunately, bring a lot of things out of the woodwork as well when people really do say what they think, which a lot of people do anyway. Um, and anyway, so is there a lot of backlash because of that? And people slated him saying, you can't say that everyone in the UK is racist. Um, so he said on Twitter, because he was responding to Piers Morgan, um, Piers Morgan said, because everyone hates, you know, Piers Morgan just thinks that he can talk about anything he wants with complete knowledge. He says, um, there's been no such backlash against Sunak, you race-baiting twerps. Why does the US media keep falsely betraying Britain as a racist country? That's what Piers Morgan was saying back to Trevor Noah. Then Trevor Noah replied, come on, Piers, you're smarter than that. I wasn't saying the entire UK is racist. I was responding to the racists who don't want 
want Rishi's PM because of his race. That's why I said some people. Now, number one, I agree with Trevor Noah. There will be some people who don't want Rishi Sunak to be Prime Minister for various reasons. One, because he's Tory. Two, because they don't agree with policies he's had in place in the past. And three, because, yeah, some people won't like him because they are racist. Um... And for Piers Morgan to come back and say that Britain is not a, a racist country and it's false to say that it is, is complete bollocks. Um, one, because he's blatantly anti anything to do with Meghan Markle. Why? Because she's a woman of colour. And two, because Meghan Markle herself is the... Um, if you want to see how racist the British media is, you, all you have to do is follow how Meghan Markle has been treated in the press. Perfect example of this is something that I put onto my Instagram feed this week. Um, and the replies that I got about this were particularly interesting as well. I mean, I'm not even Meghan Markle, obviously. Um, and I get people slagging me off for putting things online. So, you know, God can only imagine what she gets on a day-to-day -day basis. So in The Sun, there was, um, it was included in The Independent because they always do um, opinions from different newspapers. And it was about Me Meghan Markle's um, podcast. And there was a little quote from The Sun, a writer called Rod Little, and he said, quote, Meghan Markle has been telling everybody that she left Deal or No Deal because she felt betrayed as a bimbo. Yeah, good call, Meghan. Now you're portrayed accurately enough as a vacuous, grasping witch of wokeness. Now, one... If you listen to the podcast, the entire episode was about um, negative words used against women like bimbo. Um, and she interviews various women who've been stereotyped as that. And she was talking about how in one of her first television gigs, she was there because she looked a certain way, not because she was doing anything. And I think she's quite right to have that opinion if she didn't like the job. And then what a surprise, Rod Little, a white man, cis man, has gone and slagged her off for having the audacity to complain about a job that she had um, way before anyone knew of her as well. Um, and I very much doubt there'd be anything said um, about that in that vitriolic language of a vacuous grasping witch. I mean, nothing would be said um, about um, Kate or any other, I don't think, really um, woman apart from Meghan Markle at the moment, because she's so loathed by the press. Um, and then, you know, Piers Morgan comes out and says that Britain isn't racist. Well, it clearly is. So then I popped that up online because I am a fan of Meghan Markle. And um, I then, surprisingly, got criticism from people online for the fact that I was actually um, calling out the press for being racist. So I'm not going to read the people's name online because that's just going to give them more power. But one person said in response, um, Rod Little says things as they are. Wokies like you should look away. Another person said he's 100% right in his assessment. Um, and then um, one person said, uh, Rod is spot on his assessment of how Meghan Markle is now perceived. Nothing racist or sexist about it, just fact. Mm, I don't think so. So I replied and then just said, um, a woman of colour has been attacked by people who don't know her. Well done. Um, and, you know, I'm just mentioning that because, you know, I just put online an article about her and then I get comments slagging me off for doing that as well as her. So imagine what she gets on a day-to-day -day basis from the idiot likes of Piers Morgan. Um... 
I also just wanted to talk to you about an exhibition that I went to this week, which um, I went with my dad. Sorry, I am just having a coffee at the same time, so I apologise for the pause. Um, what was it? To create tension about what the day was like. Um, so I went to see an exhibition in Manchester at Media City, um, all about Banksy. So they're really famous artist and graffiti artist and everything. Um, so probably the people who think that England is too, some people in England are too woke probably won't like Banksy because he complains about politics. Um, but the exhibition was really good. I mean, some of the pieces are really powerful, really, really thought provoking, really clever. Um, and it was really well laid out um, in terms of the different pieces and the kind of information write-ups about them. So I'll just talk you through some of the, the images and what a brilliant format to talk about paintings on, something that you listen to and can't see. Great. Um, so one was uh, called Americans Working Overhead, which is people running away from a helicopter, basically firing bullets. Quite critical of the American army I think there um, and then there was um, a really famous one of Jesus on a cross and with his arms out attached to the cross but instead of being attached to you know the, the nails and stigmata he's holding up shopping bags and um, one or two from the Disney store Banksy seems to have a real thing against huge conglomerates like McDonald's and um, Disney in particular um, there's the very famous painting, an image of the little girl letting go of the balloon with a heart on. Um, a, the really famous image of the girl running away from the bombing attack and the napalm attack. And on either side of her are uh, Mickey Mouse and Ronald McDonald. Um, so again, he has a real thing against the capitalism of huge conglomerate companies like them. Um, there was uh, a series of um, artwork he'd done on £10 notes, so on some of them he'd replaced the image with Princess Diana, um, and on it it said, um, I promise to pay the bearer the, de the demand the ultimate price, which is a little bit um, close for comfort, I think, some, something like that. There is a piece, and I forgot about this happening in around 2006 when Paris Hilton released her album Paris and um, Banksy, because he thought the album was so bad, it was funny, he got together a group of people and they ran into HMV stores, I believe it was around London, removed all the Paris Hilton albums and put and replaced them with piss take Paris, Paris Hilton albums um, and like replaced artwork. Um, so, for example, on one of the, the images of the CD case was a picture of Paris Hilton next to a homeless shelter with the quote, 90% of success is just showing up. So basically just taking the piss that she doesn't really give back. Um, I think now when you look at a piece of artwork like that, when Paris Hilton's story is more understood, I mean, if you've watched the documentary about her on um, YouTube, which is a really harrowing documentary about the horrendous things that she went through as a child, um, it makes the piss take of her a little bit more difficult to swallow. But at the time, you know, she was that epitome of famous for being famous, wasn't she? There are other really um, brilliant pieces. So um, the Houses of Parliament replaced the um, MPs with monkeys and chimps. Um, there is um, a, a like a market stall 
with t-shirts called Destroy Capitalism t-shirts for $30, with people queuing up to buy one. And then it's full of really brilliant quotes from Banksy as well. So when you leave, there's a quote that says, there's an elephant in the room, there's a problem we never talk about. The fact isn't is that life isn't getting any fairer. 1.7 billion people have no access to clean drinking water. 20 billion people live below the poverty line. Every day, hundreds of people are made to feel physically sick by morons at art shows, telling them how bad the world is, but never actually doing something about it. Anybody want a free glass of wine? And that was from his exhibition in, in LA in 2006. So it's called The Art of Banksy. Um, it is on until January, I believe, and it only opened last week. So I would definitely suggest going to see it. It was excellent. Um, and yeah, just really, really interesting, really thought provoking. It was nice to have like an afternoon with my dad um, and um, just go and see something a little bit different. Okay, now um, what I want to speak about this week is... Um, quite a bizarre topic for this when normally I look at um, issues to do with health and mental health and um, your various issues that I think are posted into news like the um, handling of Meghan Markle which isn't racist because Britain isn't racist remember um, I want to talk now about something that I just do not understand and I thought I would go away and try and educate myself on it and talk it through with you guys. And then maybe you can try and explain it to me as well. But I do not understand as much as I try what cryptocurrency is. I do not understand Bitcoin. I don't understand how it works. I don't understand the point of it. I just don't get it. Um, so I've been reading around it. I've watched some little clips and documentaries about it. I'm going to try and put together what I think it is. And people listening to this probably think I'm really thick. Um, I just don't understand what it is. I don't understand the point of it. I don't understand how it works. Um, and the reason that I became interested in it is because I read an article this week in The Independent, which was about somebody who, was, who became addicted to cryptocurrency after going into rehab for being addicted to gambling. So it's an article that was written by Gwyneth Rees and interviews a man called Stuart. 35 from Manchester. And I'll just read some little bits from the article first about the, the addiction that he got to cryptocurrency. So he says, um, Fish Stewart, 35 from Manchester, it was only when he lost £70,000 in trading cryptocurrencies that he began to realise he had a problem. A gambler since his teens, addicted to roulette and football, aged 30, he began, to, he began the process of recovery with Gamb Gamblers Anonymous. But after hearing people talk about cryptocurrency, he decided to make an investment. Initially, I put down £1,000 on Bitcoin and it doubled quite quickly, he says. But then I switched to XPR, another currency, and put down £4,000, but then lost a lot of potential money as I took it out before it went up. That made me annoyed, so I kept going back. Stuart found himself checking his crypto investments night and day, sometimes waking up to find 20% had been knocked off the value. The investments left him anxious and secretive, constantly on his phone and unable to sleep through worry. He also began paying for crypto signals, advice from professionals who track the markets. He felt swayed to leverage or borrow more money to trade. Eventually, I took out a £5,000 bank loan. I gave it to this guy to trade and he lost it in a single day. That's when I had to tell my wife. I still didn't think I was gambling or addicted. I thought I was investing. 
Um, and then it goes on to say that according to some experts, they think that Bitcoin and um, cryptocurrency is, quote, a ticking time bomb. Now, in my very simplistic pleb um, understanding, it seems to me that it is um, almost like, um, like a stock exchange type thing. So you put money into cryptocurrency and it goes on to like a stock exchange thing where you can earn more, you can get more, you have to sell at a certain point or something like that. Um, but then when it comes to being able to buy things and I, I just don't understand where the money goes. It's just too intangible for me. Um, I did a little bit of reading around it and um, I'll be honest with you, a lot of what I read just continued to confuse me. Um, I think it's because I am quite um, careful with my money. I only spend what I have. I only save what I can. Um, I only took out a credit card to prove that I could get to prove I could get a credit rating. I've never actually needed to use it for anything. Um, I'm very lucky in that respect. But um, I, I just this kind of intangible side of money um, kind of freaks me out a bit. And I, I just don't understand it. So according to dictionary.com, cryptocurrency is a noun, a digital currency in which transactions are verified and records maintained by a decentralized a decentralized, that's the fibromyalgia, I can't speak, uh, brain fog, um, my favourite serial member from last week, maintained by a decentralised system using cryptography rather than by a centralised authority. Okay, didn't understand that. Um, and then a little diagram that I looked at. So it says, cryptocurrency is digital money created from code. The cryptocurrency economy is, is monitored by a peer-to-peer -peer internet protocol. Cryptocurrency is an encrypted string of data encoded to signify one current of uni un uh, currency, one unit of currency. And examples of cryptocurrency are Bitcoin and XRP, which the article mentioned. And then reading a bit more so some explanations around it. it says cryptocurrency is additional currency designed to work as a medium of exchange through a computer network that is not reliant on a central authority such as a government or a bank to uphold or maintain it now that to me would in instantly create warning signals because i'd be thinking well if the government or bank aren't monitoring it then surely anyone can do anything with it and it seems a little bit black markety to me um, it goes on to say the bits of reason I've done. It says um, some cryptocurrency schemes um, ask owners to put up their tokens as collateral. They get authority over the token in proportion to the amount that they stake. Cryptocurrency does not exist in a physical form like paper money and is not issued by a central authority. Um and it says that as of March 2022, there were more than 9,000 cryptocurrencies in the marketplace. So does that mean there are 9,000 types of cryptocurrency? Well, how do you know which one to put your money into then? Um, it goes on to say cryptocurrencies have been compared to Ponzi schemes, pyramid schemes, economic bubbles. Um 
But then in October 2021, financial services company MasterCard announced it will be working with digital assets such as BACKT, B-A-K-K-T, um, and would offer support for other cryptocurrency services. The first big Wall Street bank was Morgan Stanley in March of 2021 that would be offering access to Bitcoin. Hmm. I just don't really understand. And this is me being thick. And please contact me if you can explain it in more detail to me what the point of it is. Because if you've got your physical money that you can put on a stock exchange, which is controlled by a bank, why do something that seems quite hidden and secretive? Anyway, so um, I've just got a little clip from a BBC News documentary. It's about a minute and a half. If it gets boring, um, by all means, skip ahead. I won't be offended. But um, I watched this and I'll be honest, I still don't understand. When you want to buy something normally, using your normal bank card, this is what happens. I give my card details to the shop. The shop asks the bank if I'm good for the money. The bank checks its records to see if I've got enough in my account. If I do, it lets the shop know. It updates its records to show the movement of money from my account to the shops. Oh, and it takes a little cut for its trouble. Now, if you wanted to remove the bank from that system, who else would you trust to keep those records and not alter them or, or cheat in any way. Well, I wouldn't trust you. I wouldn't trust you. In fact, I wouldn't trust any single person. But I might trust everyone. The idea is you don't have a central record of transactions. Instead, you distribute many, many copies of this ledger around the world. Each owner of each copy records every transaction. So, to buy something using cryptocurrency, I give the shop my details. The shop asks all the bookkeepers if I'm good for the money. The bookkeepers all check their records to see if I have enough. But who are the bookkeepers? This is what I don't understand. When he says, I'll trust everybody, and it's the bookkeepers. Well, who are the bookkeepers, though? I don't get it. If I do, they tell the shop and then all update their records. But who are they? Show the movement of money. So there's no way that a forged transaction can make it in. If I try to alter a ledger, it won't match all of the other copies. And it gets rejected. One of them, at random, will be given a reward of some newly created cryptocurrency. This is how cryptocurrencies work. And remember, all of these bookkeepers, all of these ledgers, they're not actually people. They're computers. Lots of computers. But does that mean they then have access to your bank details? Or is cryptocurrency separate? So that's your crypto money. So you buy things with crypto money. I just don't. I'm so. I just don't get it. Um, 
going back to the article that I was reading before, um, it continues to interview some people who worked with cryptocurrency. So one person is um, the Castle Craig Rehab Centre near Edinburgh. And it says that Castle Craig received its first cryptocurrency patient in 2016. And since then, has had 200 people, mostly men between 20 and 25, access them for rehabilitation. And then interview someone who works there and it says, quote, Many people start trading crypto as it's easy to do, but its volatile nature makes it very appealing to those with obsessive minds. It's available 24-7, easily accessed in secret, and there's no education. So it's just a ticking time bomb. Um, so yeah, I mean, I suppose it's like gambling with your money, isn't it? Putting it onto an online stock exchange. Um, but the idea of buying something to it and it goes to bookkeepers from that clip, I don't understand that. Um, and it just seems far too intangible to me. Um, I apologize if I've made you even more confused about what cryptocurrency and Bitcoin is. I'm sure there's someone out there who can just put it down into real simple um, everyday math terms for me if that's you by all means please contact me and let me know that one time podcast at yahoo.com um and if i've um, confused you even more or annoyed you because to you you think it's dead easy and i just don't get it then i apologize but if you do understand it more than i do by all means let me know so after last week's episode when I looked at um, fibromyalgia in a little bit of detail, I was talking about my own experiences and symptoms of it. Um, I went and had physiotherapy last, um, so Monday of this week, sorry. And um, I've had it, you know, for a couple of months now. And um, I thought that I would just look briefly at this in this episode again at some of the things around fibromyalgia and some of the other things that I am experiencing alongside it that I have been experiencing for a while and just didn't realise that it was all part of the same issue. Um, I just thought that I was constantly injured, constantly in pain, um, a little bit nesh and a bit weak, I'll be honest with you. I just thought that I was overreacting to some of the pains that I was feeling when I was just aching and in pain a lot and you know chronic pain is what fibromyalgia is and it can manifest in a lot of different ways um so i was given a booklet which is uh, written by arthritis research uk and looks at fibromyalgia because there can be a lot of overlaps between these different conditions as i talked about last week so just to go over some of the um, definitions and things. So the booklet says fibromyalgia is a common condition that can cause widespread pain. It's thought that as many as one person in every 25 may suffer from it. Some of the symptoms, widespread pain, often made worse by sustained activity, fatigue, lack of energy, sleep disorders, headaches, irritability, feeling very low or weepy, irritable bowels, forgetfulness and poor concentration, increased sensitivity to cold, sound knocks and bumps, overly sensitive joints and muscles, increased stress, worry or low mood. So basically everything that I have. Um, so widespread pain, yes, that constantly moves around the body. Um, finding it hard to sleep. I do um that I haven't struggled from that a lot, but um I do find myself waking up a lot during the night, um feeling low and weepy. Yeah, but that I think that's hand in hand with just feeling quite poorly all the time. Um, 
I um, forgetfulness and poor concentration at times. And I think that that's when I'm tired increases that sensitivity to knocks and bumps yep i can do the smallest thing and then have an ache or um uh, like a weakness in that in that joint for a little for a while afterwards overly sensitive to things in terms of muscles and joints yes and obviously that's going to lead to increased stress because you're worrying all the time um, what causes it? So the exact causes of fibromyalgia are known. No specific physical cause has been found. This doesn't mean the symptoms are unreal or, or in the mind, but anxiety, physical and mental trauma are thought to play a part of it. Um, it says that people with fibromyalgia experience increased sensitivity to pressure or minor knocks that wouldn't normally be painful. This may be related to chemical changes in a body's pain pathways. Um, trying to keep active can help avoid secondary problems caused by weakening of the muscles. And then what's the outlook? It says fibromyalgia is a long-term chronic condition and recovery varies from person to person. There is no known cure, but there are treatments. Okay, so in terms of treatments and some of these I did mention last week, um, long-term management strategies, medication, physical therapies, physiotherapy, psychological therapies to help with relaxation and stress management and occupational therapy. Um, and then in terms of how you can help yourself, so to learn about the condition, which is what we're doing here. Pace your daily activities, so not doing so much in one go. Follow a graded um, program of physical activity, so um, using an exercise bike, going swimming, so things that aren't particularly um, kind of heavy impact on your body. Um, sharing experiences with other people, avoiding caffeine like tea, coffee or alcohol close to going to bed, um, a healthy diet and not smoking. So, I mean, I keep active, I keep as healthy as possible. I, you know, I walk everywhere. I do the exercise bike every day. I do weights. Um, I eat really healthily. I don't eat any shit. Um, I probably have too much coffee, but, you know, not close to bedtime anyway. And then I think when I was reading through it, what just upset me a little bit, because I'd had the physiotherapist um, session, they, you know, again, repeated that it is, um, you know, lifelong, there's no known cure. And then when I read more of the symptoms, and particularly when it said, feeling low and weeping, increased stress, I was like, it felt just a little bit like um, being stuck in a loop, um, that of course, that's going to be what you're feeling all the time, because it's shit. Um, and it just seemed... It was just a little bit overwhelming and particularly this week when, um, for example, yesterday um, I drove to Manchester. The traffic was awful. You know, like a 40 minute journey became like a two hour one when I got out because quite often being in one position with fibromyalgia and its links to arthritis can, be, can mean you can stiffen up quite easily. My leg and my knee was so painful from being stuck in that position and doing the constant stop start on the clutch and something as simple like that just driving and you can't plan for bad traffic either just meant that I was walking around the exhibition just with this searing pain in my leg and then by the time I got home and I had a warm shower to loosen everything up it had gone but it's that kind of unpredictability of the pain that's a real soul about this condition as well. Um, this morning I woke up and the pain was all down one of my shoulder blades. 
um, moving into this afternoon. It's into my wrist and my hand. And I'm going to look in a bit in a minute at carpal tunnel syndrome as well, as I have a cast to help me when my um, wrist is particularly sore as well. Um, it says in this booklet as well, which again is by Arthritis Research UK, some of the associated conditions, so tiredness, depression, anxiety, joint pain in different parts of the body, such as um, knees, wrists and elbows and hips, spasms in your legs, so restless leg syndrome, and then uh, irritable bowel syndrome as well, so IBS. Um, and there's... Uh, uh, a section in it as well where someone who experienced fibromyalgia writes about their um, experience of it. So it's from someone called Maria. It might have changed the name, I don't know. But I'll just read you a little bit of it. So it says, Maria was diagnosed with fibromyalgia in 2012 after having had symptoms, particularly in the back, neck and feet for many years. She feels very disappointed that it took so long to get a formal diagnosis and to find it and to find the best combination of treatments. Maria admits she's had ups and downs with her condition. I've had to accept that my life has now changed. Maria feels that this is the key to learning to manage the condition, even if she does need medication at times to help her through a bad patch. Um, she goes on to write... Um, um, what she say? These programs are fantastic. It's been easy to become isolated with this condition, especially if you've had to cancel social engagements because of it. But talking to other people who've gone through similar experiences really helps you with the problems that you face. Um, and when I went to my physiotherapist appointment the other day, I was told that I would be given hopefully acupuncture. I'd be invited to a six week program of um uh, kind of talking therapy so to talk through his um, fibromyalgia with other people which might be helpful as well so that's good and I think it would be useful for me to go and talk to other people about it if you um, haven't been to a GP about your um, condition yet I would go to your GP if you have any of the symptoms that I've described particularly pains in your body moving pain around the body um, in your joints, if it's worse of a morning, in the evening, if it's worse after you've done an activity like exercise, which for me often it is. Um, and if you find that things like a warm shower improve it. Now, one thing that I also get occasionally is carpal tunnel syndrome. And again, it's the pain of the um, wrist joints, which kind of move down into the hands as well. So this is um, just a little video explaining what carpal tunnel syndrome is and again this kind of ache and numbness and um, uncomfortable sensation in the body is part of fibromyalgia. What is carpal tunnel syndrome? Your median nerve runs through your wrist in a small space called the carpal tunnel. Carpal tunnel syndrome occurs when this nerve is pinched or compressed Symptoms begin gradually and then worsen over time, especially during specific activities that involve repetitive wrist and hand movements. Numbness, tingling, pins and needles, pain. The most common symptoms include numbness, tingling, or the feeling of pins and needles in the hand or fingers. There may be pain which starts in the hand but may travel up the arm to the shoulder. You may 
yeah now there that's I've experienced all of that so for example today numbness in the like trigger fingers um, and the middle finger pain in the um, the wrist and can sometimes shoot up onto the top of the hand as well down to the elbow which can feel sometimes like a tennis elbow and then up into the shoulder as well um, and I, th I think because I've I've had that for a while I didn't put the pieces together and realised that a lot of the pains I was having around different parts of my body was fibromyalgia. May also feel clumsy and have difficulty grasping small items. What causes carpal tunnel syndrome? There is no single factor of carpal tunnel syndrome. Genetics, age and gender often increase the risk. And women are three times more likely to develop carpal tunnel syndrome than men. And um, women are more likely to develop fibromyalgia as well. Um, and again, you know, if reason around it, there's no real explanation as to why any of these things affect certain people, but um, they do. Now, you know, I'd be lying if I said that it is easy. Um, you know, it's constant niggles and constant pains that, for me anyway, make me worry that it is something more sinister or that by carrying on with my day-to-day -day life, I'm going to make it worse. So if I have pain running up my arm, should I be lifting something? Should I be exercising? Should I be driving if I'm having to grip onto the steering wheel? Um, and so, like in the um, quote from Maria in the Arthritis Research Booklet, when it makes you want to cancel doing things... I've been there. That's completely what I've had to do at times because either I've been in pain or two, I don't want to risk potentially making it worse. And it can be very isolating. And it's the unpredictability of when it's going to hit as well. Um, you know, this morning I woke up and I didn't have any pain in my hands at all. This afternoon it is and I've had to put my wrist splint on. And it's that that's a real um, dick about the condition if I'm going to be colloquial about it. But it is a pain um, and it can feel at times a little bit um, overwhelming, particularly when the pain is across the chest and can feel like your, your chest is quite tight and can then, you know, um, make you a little bit more panicked breathing. Um, but I think what I try to remind myself is that in the hours or so when it's painful, just to try and remember that there are little things I can do to make it better. So stretching, um, ibuprofen gels, looking forward to a warm shower to just kind of ease everything. But I think what is difficult at times, and if you're listening to this and you have it, and it's particularly hard at the moment. It's because I'm quite new to the diagnosis, but I'm looking back at the last two years or so where I've had these pains and just not known what they were. To think that I, I'm only 36 only. And again, I don't know whether I'm just feeling that it's getting worse or I'm just conscious of it more now that I know what it is. It just seems a little bit scary that this is the pain I'll be in because there is no cure for it for the rest of my life. And, um, you know, don't get me wrong. I can go around doing my day-to-day -day business, but it hurts. Um, 
you know, I can be cleaning the house and I'll have shooting pains up my back. Um, I'll be teaching and I'll have shooting pains down my arm. I'll be trying to write something on the board and because of the pains in my hand and my wrist and with my wrist splint on, I can't grip the, grip the pen properly. Um, I'll play piano for half an hour and my wrist will really hurt afterwards. Um, I'll go on my exercise bike and my knees will be really sore afterwards and I'll have to ice them. Um, and that is just a little bit intimidating to think that that's potentially the rest of my life. Um, but if you have um, a similar experience or a story that you want to share, by all means get in contact with me. I'd really appreciate that. And I know other people would who maybe experience this too. And that's probably the best way to try and talk about it, feel better about it and create a little community here or um you know if you go to a gp and get part of a physiotherapy fibromyalgia talking clinic and there are lots of groups online as well then hopefully you know you can help yourself and other people um there are some groups that you can access and again this is in the arthritis research booklet so there is arthritiscare.org.uk there's fmauk.org, so Fibromyalgia Action, painrelieffoundation.org.uk and ukfibromyalgia.com. Um, and then there are other leaflets as well that you can read as well. There are some books as well. So there's one by Christine Craggs, Living with Fibromyalgia, and then one by Don Goldenberg, Fibromyalgia, Understanding and Getting Relief from Pain That Won't Go Away. And then finally, what I wanted to discuss just to finish the episode is um, just a little update re Taylor Swift, everyone's favourite pop star. And if she isn't, then, well, shame on you. Um, so it is the fastest selling album of the year after one day. It sold 800,000 copies, I think. In the first 24 hours, it broke Spotify records. Um, I think now, over a week later, it sold 1.2 million. Um, I can't even imagine what it would feel like to be that um, well-known and successful. Um, in the Australian singles charts, she has every single spot in the top 10 with different tracks from the album that have been downloaded and streamed and bought and listened to and whatever um it's just in you know insanely successful and popular um one of the things that i did read in kind of a, a collation of reviews that have been put together was that it had been really well received but um people had one article wrote lamented dramatic word um the lack of hits on there and the lack of um like bangers i suppose um that she's known for um disagree anti-hero bejeweled um karma is a brilliant track i mean they're all really good it is more um i would say subdued even though it is kind of synthy 1989 poppy it's more subdued um than say lover which is my least favorite album sorry but um it's i mean it's it's really it's it's excellent um if you haven't listened to it already i suggest that you do 
Um, and then finally, um, it is a Halloween, so some horror films or things if you are a little bit of a loss of what to watch over the weekend or the next week or so. So I know there's been some recent releases on Netflix. If you haven't seen The Haunted House series, so in The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Blind Manor, they're really good. Um, Cinema-wise, uh, Barbarian has just come out, which is very good. Um, Halloween Ends, which is diabolical, but if you've seen the other two, you might want to see it anyway. Hocus Pocus 2, um, which is a nostalgic flashback if you've not seen that yet on um, Disney. Worth watching just for how many different ways the producers try and hide Sarah Jessica Parker's face. Obviously, she's not meant to have aged, and she has, fine, um, but she ha she her face is hidden behind her hair, um, steam, smoke. Um, various darkening rooms and shadows. A cat at one point hides her face. Um, and then you can still manage to see the massive eyebrows. So Hocus Pocus 2, if you're a loss, you want something to watch, I would definitely watch that. Um, and um, obviously, you know, any recommendations, feel free to let me know as well. As always, thank you very much for listening. If you do have any questions or thoughts, let me know at onetimepodcast.yahoo.com and I'll speak to you soon.